So I'm just going to show um, a site which we started to look at in North London, the kind of um, sort of salmon pinky areas that one we're looking at, um, to kind of test out uh, a kind of methodology which, we, which we've called rather sort of glibly a toolkit. And without going into detail, I can't read anything from here. Um, what we've looked at is the way in which you, in these hard-pressed outer London suburbs, which are where the elected members and the local communities are very anxious about the densities that they're being, which the GLA are trying to push them into, and actually not only the GLA, but because I think because of Ken Livingstone, um, the being allowed to have very high densities has raised land prices hugely. So whatever the GLA is saying, um, the boroughs and the potential developers are lumbered with very high land prices which they can't actually satisfy without building at higher densities of around, I don't know, 60 to 100 dwellings per hectare. So what we've been looking at is an idea about getting the density partly perhaps by residential types that are quite dense like terrace houses and muse houses but also saying that if one has really much higher local much higher densities for, for small localities for can, kind of limited localities for non-family accommodation you can get some interesting effects and one of the first things to say which is in a way quite obvious is that looking at the graphs at the top um, if um, the quantity of non-family accommodation is sort of 30%. The actual land take of the non-family accommodation will be half that. It could be a third of that, depending on the height of the buildings. So what this might allow you to do is to get really quite high densities in the outer London suburbs, where most of the character is in two, and three, two or three-storey family housing. The yellow in the pie charts is the family housing. The darker colours are the um, apartments that are getting the density, getting the, uh, making it possible to meet the land price. And then the other sort of thing we've explored is the idea that actually this method could buy you another very important attribute of, of suburbia, which is open space. Um, which might constrain the family housing to a higher density, or it might require the non-family to be at an even higher density. So you can see that um, on the left, maybe the housing is quite relaxed and there's a tiny slither of open space. This would depend on the local authorities' um, uh, planning policy. And then on the right, you know, maybe nearly 20% of the... Um, uh, land take is open space. I can't remember what the densities are here, but we're talking about densities around 60, 70, potentially you can make this work, densities around 60, 70, 80 dwellings per hectare and still have a recognisable kind of suburbia. So, so this is a, a study um, of a, a, an area in North London where we're uh, trying to get a little bit of open space running up the, the, the centre of the site and there's some apartments at the top of the site which are non-family accommodation um, and um, but the, predominantly it's family housing and the kind of expression of that is here where the proportion of flats in the graphs uh, is nearly 50% but the land take of the flats is 
can't read it from here, but <coughs> much less, <coughs> that affords you uh, a situation where three quarters of the site is either family housing or um, open space. And then we put more open space in and, and uh, again probably got a higher density of, of uh, non-family accommodation which is um, across the top of the site which in this case is against uh, a very busy road uh, where there are already uh, tall flats. So sort of what we're trying to explore is the idea that you could give some kind of comfort to not only to um, the local authority but to local people about being able to produce um, an environment of two and three storey family housing uh, which is being boosted by high density along the road but which, which, which has you know, arguably we hope a limited impact and we can get uh, quite a high proportion of open space in there. These are just examples. We've done about 10 studies of this sort. And this is uh, a kind of primitive development with mostly apartments. Um, you know, maybe there's another kind of image for this, um, more, uh, one that's more like a kind of 18th century image of somewhere like Eaton Square. And um, what I've, I've, I've started to look at, looking at is the GLA's um, draft London plan for 2011 and, and their density matrix, which has um, the locations um, uh, on the left and their, their character area, wh what they are, suburban or urban, and then their PTEL um, uh, and their densities running across left to right. And without going into detail, uh, you can apply the same sort of analytical approach to this so that if you were to take um, suburban um, in the middle of the uh, matrix and one was to take the right-hand end, 80 to 220, uh, sorry, 80 to 120 dwellings per hectare, I, I think we could demonstrate that you could still achieve an environment which, which was predominantly characterized by uh, family housing um, boosted by some high density non-family accommodation and apartments taking up uh, a surprisingly small proportion of the site because of their density. In other words, the quantities might be quite high. See on the right it says mostly flats. Well, it might not be necessary to have mostly flats actually, but the thing would be to um, get a density um, which probably gave you, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight stories perhaps, which would take up a very small proportion even though perhaps 40% of the accommodation was, was flat.